When Lieutenant General Antonio Parlade Jr. red-tagged popular celebrity Liza Soberano on October 20 this year, I was not surprised. Actually, I felt deja vu. This happened before, exactly two years ago. In 2018, the Duterte administration, also led by Parlade, goes on a red-tagging spree that spares almost nobody. The narrative takes on many forms. There is a matrix containing identities of the plotters, including Vice President Lenny Robredo, Adet Bishop, and, hold your breath, Jollibee. In Duterte's telling, these entities banded together to take him down. Duterte stood as the red tagger-in-chief, backed up by the noisy Parlade. Duterte says his claims are based on intelligence gathered by his own office, the military, and the police. He sounded so certain. He said they were out to get him. And yet, two years later, he remains in power. And the practice of red tagging lives on. Hello, I'm Rambo Talabong, Rappler's police and crime reporter. This is Rappler's crime podcast, Criminal. In this podcast, we revisit crime stories that are significant in understanding Philippine politics and society. This is our seventh episode, where we will dive into red tagging and what happened in Red October 2018. Bisha pa ni mga proyekto na ginagawa ng simbahan nyo? Well, number one is, uh, as usual, yung mga pagtulong sa mga mahihirap. Yan ang una. Ikalawa, yung mga usual program ng simbahan na which is very traditional. Bible studies, lahat ng mga katekismo, lahat ng mga bagay na ikalalago ng kaalaman ng isang miyembro sa simbahan namin tungkol sa Kristyanismo. And we cannot be different from others in terms ng ganoong traditional na approach. Pero ang kakaiba, pagkakaiba namin ay yung may diin ng nasyonalismo. Yan ang pagkakaiba siguro namin sa ibang simbahan. That was the voice of Bishop Joseph Porlares of the Iglesia Filipina Independiente. His church has been red-tagged by the Duterte administration. For him, red-tagging is not new. He has experienced it over and over. Ang red-tagging kasi napakatagal ng history nito eh. If you would remember, kasi sa panahon ni Marcos, we have lovely concerted Marcos as part of our church. Pero ganun pa man eh, very ano siya, yung parang, Uneasy rin sa amin dahil sa kahit membro namin siya, we also criticize him. So what's new? Diba? What's new? Red tagging has been around for decades in the Philippines. And it is such a common practice of the Philippine government that there is already a definition written in jurisprudence. Associate Justice Marvick Leonan offers the following definition. In a 2015 decision on a case between the Aquino government and leftist politician Carlos Zarate. The act of labeling, branding, naming, and accusing individuals and or organizations of being left-leaning, subversives, communists, or terrorists used as a strategy by state agents, particularly law enforcement agencies and the military, against those perceived to be threats or enemies of the state. Red tagging became fatally dangerous under the dictatorship of Ferdinand Marcos when activism was effectively banned and that speaking out against him meant risking your life. 
The branding of activism as dangerous was legitimized in his time through the Anti-Subversion Law or Republic Act 1700. The law, signed by President Carlos Garcia, stated that the Communist Party of the Philippines constitutes a clear, present, and grave danger to the security of the Philippines. In 1976, then-President Ferdinand Marcos issued Presidential Decree 885, which expanded RA-1700 to include other groups organized to overthrow the government, with the open or covert assistance and support of a foreign power by force, violence, deceit, or other illegal means. The Marcos dictatorship utilized this decree to stifle legitimate political dissent and criticism amid widespread human rights violations during martial law. The reinstatement of democracy in the Philippines led to the repeal of Marcos' decrees through Executive Order No. 167, signed by then-President Corazon Aquino in 1987. While the law has been repealed, the practice of red-tagging activists and people critical of the government persists. The experience of Bishop Orlares is a testament to this, and the biggest red-tagging spree by the Duterte administration happens in October 2018. You can't talk about red tagging without talking about the relationship of the president with the Communist Party of the Philippines. In 2016, Duterte dismayed leaders in the military when he set up his cabinet and entrusted a few posts to leftists. Duterte kept Davao City safe when he was a mayor by befriending communist guerrillas and got their backing when he campaigned for the presidency. In exchange, Duterte promises land reform and an independent foreign policy. He frees detained high-ranking rebel leaders even as he visited military camps to persuade generals and soldiers to support the peace process he had initiated with the movement. The Reds would never demand my ouster. They will die for me, believe me. That's the reason why I was able to convince them for a talk. But in 2018, Duterte turns cold on the communists. He cancels peace talks declares the CPP-NPA a terrorist organization, expels leftist cabinet officials, begins installing retired general after retired general in his administration, and declares an all-out war against the CPP. Then comes the blockbuster show, The Red October. You're listening to the seventh episode of Criminal, Rappler's Crime Podcast. How is it so far? If you want to listen to other cool and informative audio, check out other Rappler podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. This crime podcast wouldn't have been possible without your support. If you haven't yet, support Rappler by joining our community called Rappler Plus. Rappler Plus believes in speaking truth to power, using technology for the greater good to power communities to action. Go to rappler.com plus for more details. It is 2018. The paranoia starts on September 8. Duterte announces an ouster plot against him, allegedly orchestrated by the Communist Party of the Philippines, the once ruling Liberal Party, and his fierce critic, then Senator Antonio Trillanes IV. Tatlong yan, bantayan ninyo. Yang yellow liberals, Trillanes, pati ang Politburo. They have a. We will show it to you. 
all of the parties deny knowledge and involvement in the conspiracy. Duterte does not stop. On September 10, then-Police Chief General Oscar Albayalde and Secretary of National Defense Delvin Lorenzana say that Duterte's claims have yet to be verified. Lorenzana says the CPP has a plan, but he did not know of opposition groups joining in. On September 19, the PNP echoes the president and names the conspiracy. Then-Spokesman Brigadier General Benigno Dorana says it is called Oplan Aklasan. The PNP says the target date for the alleged Oplan is on September 21, or the commemoration of the Declaration of Martial Law. It is important to point out that protests do usually erupt on this commemoration day, organized not just by leftist organizations but other rights groups that repeatedly warn the government never to return to the tyranny of the Marcos regime. On September 20, the armed forces of the Philippines breaks its silence. Speaking with ANC, then-military chief General Carlito Galvez says the group Movement Against Tyranny is leading the group. To his right sits Parlade, then the deputy chief of staff for operations. Parlade says the communists were behind all of it. Parlade tells ANC, It's a broad coalition being orchestrated by the Communist Party. With that broad coalition, they have included CFJ, Coalition for Justice, with Supreme Court Justice Sereno. And there's this Tindig Pilipinas. Incidentally, the Tindig Pilipinas includes the Liberal Party. These three are being orchestrated by the Communist Party Secretariat. The two military generals repeat what the PNP said a day before. They say that the ouster plot was set on the commemoration of the Declaration of Martial Law. They add that if the move fails, it would be rescheduled the next month, in October. Then comes September 21. There are no ouster mobilizations, just the usual multi-sectoral protests. The PNP itself even describes the protests as, quote, very peaceful. Three days later, on September 24, the movement against tyranny speaks up and slams the Duterte administration for red tagging. Malacanang, on the same day, clears Vice President Robredo of involvement in the alleged plot. A day later, on September 25, Duterte speaks out once more and makes a grave accusation. He says even non-Magdalo soldiers, or soldiers not allied with Senator Trillanes, are also part of the ouster plot. Ang asakit ko dito kayong mga liberal, pati yung ibang sa military, nakipag-ugnayan sila kay yung mga sundalo na rebelde. Tapos, yun na yun, yung tatlo. Yellow, mga sundalo na, yung mga intindihan ng utak kung saan ang loyalty nila. Pati yung mga liberal. Diyan ako naghinakit sa kanila yung mga sundalo na. Duterte is echoed by Interior Secretary Eduardo Año, a former military chief, saying that soldiers are also involved in the plot. On September 27, or three days before October, Parlade tells another version of the story. He says opposition groups may not be aware that they are being used by communists. October comes, and the narrative of the so-called ouster plot of the Duterte administration continues to morph. On October 1, Parlade declares that the plan is already foiled thanks to Duterte. 
Parlatis' opposition groups pulled back after the commander-in-chief's announcement of the alleged plot in September. Still, he says the attempt will push through mid-October. On October 2, the military again changes the narrative. At a Senate hearing, AFP Chief General Carlito Galvez says the Liberal Party and the Magdalo are no longer involved. But he says students from 10 universities are. Despite Galvez's statement, Malacanang on the same day insists that the Liberal Party is still part of the plan. The next day, Parladi releases a list of universities they believe are involved in the alleged ouster. The list includes the University of the Philippines and Ateneo de Manila University. A day after, the universities deny the military's allegations. Then, the military makes an admission. The list, the AFP says in a statement, has not been fully verified. On October 7, contributing to the noise, the Department of Transportation says that transportation strikes are part of the ouster. At that time, jeepney drivers were on strike because of the government's modernization program. Not even midway through the month, Defense Secretary Delphine Lorenzana announces on October 12 that the plot is not pushing through. The military, however, does not let it go. It says the plot will continue in December, on the 50th founding anniversary of the CPPNPA on December 26. Presidential son, then Davao City Vice Mayor Paulo Duterte, jumps in on the weaving of the conspiracy theory. On December 7, he posts a Microsoft Excel sheet on his Facebook page, containing names of people and groups he says are planning to bring down his father. He calls them the, quote, anti-administration group, who are planning an Aus Duterte movement that included previously cleared names like Robredo and never-before-named entities like Catholic bishops. Rappler CEO Maria Ressa, and popular fast food chain Jollibee. The younger Duterte deletes the Excel sheet a day later after a backlash. December 26, 2018 comes, and the same thing happens. There is no upheaval as the military projected, only protests. The Red October scare flops, but its scare tactics never stops. Duterte plants the seed also in December, where he creates the National Task Force to End Local Communist Armed Conflict, or the NTF-LCAC. It is created to direct government efforts to a, quote, whole-of-nation approach in ending the communist insurgency. With General Parlade at the forefront, it instead becomes the government's loudest megaphone to red-tag Filipinos. Years later, we see the rampant red-tagging of politicians and activists critical of the Duterte government. The practice finds a new base on Facebook, the same platform that propelled Duterte to the presidency in 2016. During budget deliberations in October 2020, congressmen find out. The chief of the National Intelligence Coordinating Agency, or NICA, Alex Monteagudo, has a history of sharing fabricated posts red-tagging activists and politicians. Rappler traces the beginning of his red-tagging posts and we find that it started in October 2018, when the ouster plot was supposed to happen but never did. Facebook pages associated with the armed forces of the Philippines also spread fabricated posts targeting leftist lawmakers and leftist activists, branding them 
as terrorists. Then, the NTF Alcac with Parladi as its most vocal member red-tagged celebrities, including Liza Soberano, also through Facebook. Soberano only spoke at a webinar organized by Gabriela, a women's rights group with a history of ties to the left. It is focused on gender, feminism, and women's issues, but has never espoused revolutionary ideas. The red tagging leads us to the next question. What's funding this coordinated effort? The threat of red tagging becomes more serious after Duterte signs the anti-terrorism law, which allows the government to detain any Filipino for up to 24 days on the basis of suspicion of being a terrorist. No court-issued arrest warrant is needed. Its track record so far shows information obtained from intelligence gathering is used to accuse critics of crimes on questionable and politically motivated grounds. For 2021, the government is again asking for billions for its intelligence operations. Duterte's office alone is asking for 4.5 billion pesos. If their budget is approved, there is no reason to believe that the Duterte government will stop using red tagging as a means to go after its critics. You don't need to be an activist to be jailed. The government only needs to say it suspects you of terrorist activity, the definition of which they expanded to include all activities of the CPPNPA. All it takes is a red tag. But this doesn't stop activists from continuing to speak out. Take it from Bishop Orlares. Go on. Magpatuloy ninyo kasi yan ang buhay ng isang nagmamahal sa kanyang sariling bayan. Kapag ka hindi ka moro na mag-criticize, then we will go down the drain as a nation. The bare reason kung bakit may criticisms, bakit may activisms, for the betterment of our country, hindi ito para sa kung ano man. Pansinin po ninyo. Napakaraming legislations ngayon na nakikita natin sa ating mga batas na dahilan sa mga criticisms at activism ng mga taong ito ay nabuo yun. So why, why titigil ka? Ipagpatuloy mo, but just be careful. This has been Criminal. If you'd like to be updated on this and other issues, don't forget to follow Rappler and Newsweek on Facebook and Twitter. If you have suggestions about topics we should cover in this podcast, just send me a message. My inbox is open on Twitter at Rambo Reports. I'm Rambo Talabong. Thank you for listening. Subscribe and listen to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts.